Welcome to part two of the Travis Walton alien abduction story. If you haven't given it a listen, you should listen to part one. Here in part two, we're going to continue how Travis got back and escaped from the aliens, but things didn't turn out great for him. And maybe he wishes he would have stayed with them a little longer, like the rest of his life. But he did get a book and a movie out of it. So enjoy part two. So, let's start, before we get to the Inquirer part, we will in some depth. Let's start with what happened when Travis got back to Earth and go back there, okay? After his brother-in-law, Grant Neff, took him home, again, as I mentioned, they did not tell the police that he was safe and sound. Instead, the next morning, as I mentioned, they drove into Phoenix to meet with the ground saucer watch doctor who had promised to examine them. And this was that meeting with the doctor. His name is Lester Stewart, who turned out to be a hypnotherapist. In many law enforcement's views, that was kind of strike one of their suspicious behavior. In fact, the police apparently, they either found out through, I've heard different accounts, some say they found out through media reports, like reading the newspaper, that's unlikely. What seems more likely, and you hear in other accounts, is that the operator who handled the collect call from Travis to his brother-in-law yeah. told the sheriff oh. in Hebrew there. Well, good for her. Yeah, it is. Good. She at least told the police. And so the police then fairly quickly went to the mother-in-law's, I'm sorry, the mother's house, Mary Kellett, and they're there by about 2 a.m. So they found the house was awake, lights were on. Dwayne was out front siphoning gas between two of the family's cars. Oh, <laughs> a legend. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's legal. It's his own car. Is that yeah, okay? I but know. what the hell is that about? I have some suspicions. That uh, is suspicious as fuck. Sure That's is. weird. What you doing there, Dwayne? Just siphoning gas from one car to the other. He had on a ski mask in his show. <laughs> he was siphoning gas. Uh, no one... So, so Dwayne's there, the mother's there, no one tells these, vi- who are, you know, say, checking up, checking up on Travis, what the hell would they be there for? Yeah. None of them say anything about Travis was home safe and sound. That's suspicious gigantically suspicious. Yeah. The police were not happy about this, unsurprisingly. So they decided to check into uh, Travis Walton's story. So they checked brother-in-law Grant Neff's phone records, and they found that, hmm, there was no call from Heber, the Heber gas station, at the time that Walton supposedly made that midnight call after his mm-hmm. five-day ordeal. Yeah. Okay. They also went and checked the phone and the phone booth, looking for Travis Walton's fingerprints, which they had. No Travis Walton fingerprints. Wow, they're the doing a very thorough wow. job there. Yeah, it is. I, I think they're a little pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Spalding and his hypnotherapist doctor also began to poke holes in Travis Walton's story. Walton and his brother Dwayne would later say that they only talked to Spalding and, what the hell was the guy's name, Lester or something? Uh, they'd only talked to Spalding and the hypnotherapist for about 45 minutes, and they mostly talked about who's this guy, what are his qualifications. Mm-hmm. Spalding said, that's bullshit. We talked for over two hours, and we talked about the case and the, and the whole story extensively. And they said they uncovered lots of inconsistencies in the UFO story. And Spalding flat out said, effectively uh, accused him of perpetrating a hoax. Right. Wow. So the, the grounds, that's why I mentioned the ground saucer watch. Mm-hmm. They were apparently trying to legitimately look into the story. And when they thought it was bullshit, they said so. Huh. Mm. Well, good for them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Arpo, not so much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sheriff Gillespie now reminded Travis Walton that he had promised to take a polygraph. So they set up a time. 
But when the uh, examination, when, when word apparently got out to the media that he was going to take a polygraph, the press, you know, wrote about it. And so Walton and his brother canceled. Dwayne, his brother, said that there's just too much media attention and that Travis was just in no shape to talk. He was really rattled still. So they canceled the polygraph that was going to be done by the, the popo. So here's a critical part of the story. It turns out that the Walton boys, Travis and Dwayne, which, by the way, could easily be in a prequel to the Dukes of Hazard, obviously, mm-hmm. they weren't the, the wide-eyed innocents that they let on. Right, Brother Dwayne told, told Fred Sylvanus, the UFO researcher, that he and Travis were hugely in UFOs. In fact, Dwayne said that 12 years ago, I witnessed a UFO sighting that was eerily similar to the UFO that attacked Brother Travis. Mm. When the police had first interviewed the Walton's mother and told her that Travis had possibly been abducted by aliens, she said, quote, well, that's the way things happen. <laughs> What, what the fuck? She told him that Dwayne had actually seen UFOs twice in his life, and she, Mary K- Kellett, had also seen UFOs. Oh, so she was basically no. expecting it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what happened? When Mother Walton told her daughter, the person married to Grant Neff, that, quote, a flying saucer got Travis, Travis's sister was completely calm. No big deal. What <laughs> had to happen hell? someday, was her apparent reaction. <laughs> And, and, fucking weird, bro. So, and here's the other thing. The brothers had this kind of like a pact in place. They had, again, they'd been in UFO since they were kids. They're really, really into it. So they agreed that if either one of them would in the future be in encounter UFO, they would make every effort to get as close to as possible, to talk to them, to reach out to them. Wow. To, you know, and that would explain Travis seeing a UFO and popping out of the shop yeah. and yeah. running up to it. Wow. Because, because as Dwayne said, he was sure that aliens, quote, don't harm people. Oh, yeah, of course not. Oh, my God. Except if <laughs> they sound like beat. they replace God with aliens, and I, for oh. one, respect that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is, to, to recap there, Travis and Dwayne had been UFO enthusiasts for years, and they had planned out what they would do if one of them saw a UFO. Uh, further, brother Dwayne and the boss, uh, Mike Rogers, had spent much of the time that the authorities were out looking for Travis, giving interviews to countless numbers, of not just media, but all these UFO groups. Yeah. Wow. Well, and they were excited. They were very excited. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. In one of the very first stories written about the incident, it was in the Tucson Daily Star. It was just two days after Travis returned. Dwayne said, quote, I am not a UFO buff and neither is my brother. <laughs> So oh, why do you lie about that? Yeah. If everything you're saying If is you're true. innocent, yes. you'd say, yeah. you know, we've been fascinated with UFOs all our life, yeah. and this is, you know, I so mean, crazy I, that this so happened. Crazy. I guess you can say they don't uh, lose any credibility by you know, in the eyes of, of the media, but a lie is a lie. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then there was, I told you I'd get back to it, there was that fat contract with the Forest Service that they're mm-hmm. so they, far behind on, all right? The police found this to be a potential motive for a hoax. And Mike Rogers saying, you know, he hoped the Walton situation would help him with the feds, they found very suspicious. So, in fact, Rogers was in absolute deep shit. They looked into it, and he had five days left on that contract period, which had already had one extension. Oh. He was to clear 1,200 acres in 200 days. He had five days left, and he had 100 acres 
left to clear. So by this time, he knew absolutely certainly he was never going to come near it. Right. I did the math on that, and he would could and if he did the same level, he'd clear about thirty-one acres. So there's wow. virtually no chance he had yeah. of, of completing that contract on time. So he stood to be penalized for being late with the work and losing $2,500 for not fulfilling the contract on time. And this, by the way, remember this is November now. This is going to be the last contract of the season. Mm -hmm. We're heading into winter. So he was going to be in some serious financial trouble. Oh. Hmm. UFO researcher and skeptic Philip Klass, he investigated the case extensively. And he thought the abduction was a way to invoke a, quote, act of God clause that would release Rogers from the contract without penalties. I mean, you know, it's like a, it's for tornadoes and things like that. Yeah. They, most of yeah. these contracts have that. So they, they thought this is, they couldn't invent a tornado, but they could yeah. possibly invent an alien abduction. It would have been smarter to set a fire or something like that. Wow. It would have been horrible, horrible. <laughs> but it's smarter. Smart. Well... Anyway, this would this would the act of God clause would prevent Rogers from losing a lot of money and also keep him in the good graces of the Forest Service. That's, well, that's thinking. some wishful thinking because yeah. what government attorney is going to approve an alien abduction as an act of God? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know. would. Pizza's a vegetable, so anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, ketchup's a vegetable. Pizza. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. ketchup on pizza. Yeah. So, but. Well, okay, that's a fair question. So let me ask you, could there possibly be another far more lucrative motive for Travis Walton's story? I'm sure. Remember the National Enquirer? Mm-hmm. Yes. Just, just, they just gave ARPO a little bit of money for the investigation, right? And this, uh, this again, National Enquirer was kind of bankrolled the investigation by, the, by ARPO. But at this time, the RAG, I call it that, it, fully conscious of what they are, had a standing offer of $100,000 if you could present a provable story of a UFO abduction. I mean, provable by inquirer standards, but still, you had to have, essentially, you had to have kind of a sound story with some kind of evidence. Witnesses would certainly help. And critically, and they knew Mm -hmm. this, you had to take a polygraph and pass it. Mm -hmm. Per the inquirer's stipulation on their 100,000 bucks. So after Travis canceled the police polygraph, you remember? The National Enquirer swooped in and they said, we want you to take a polygraph for us ASAP. Walton agreed, but only after getting a promise that they, he and his brother, could veto the release of the results if they didn't like them. Hmm. So the National Enquirer said, Hmm. sure, because it's a great, great journalistic yeah. Entity. Yeah. The mm-hmm. examination by the National Enquirer. So they, 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 and by the way, when he's, this all takes place in a, in a hotel room where they had, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, where they had spirited them away. It would later be found out that while Brother Dwayne was saying, oh, no, we're going to cancel the police polygraph because too much media attention, they were right then and there mm-hmm. ensconced in a hotel with these, these at least seven National Enquirer uh, reporters and some other people they had brought, UFO researchers they had brought on. So anyway, so the National Enquirer does this. They bring in a polygraph expert, and he uh, examines Travis Walton, and he starts out with, with oddly with some really embarrassing questions. Mm-hmm. I guess they had looked in. It's the National Enquirer. They have they have real reporters, and they can they can look into your background. So they found out some facts about him. And the polyg- polygrapher, his name was John McCarthy. He asked Travis Walton about these, and so Travis was forced to admit that yeah, he did occasionally smoke pot. 
<laughs> and that he had committed check fraud Ooh. and Ooh. served two years probation for Ooh. that crime. Oh, my goodness. Whoopsies. Then came the real questions, though, UFOs. You know, what happened, blah, blah, blah. They, they, he walked him through with multiple questions, not, you know, one. And John McCarthy, again, the examiner, would later say that Walton failed miserably and that he also was caught using techniques to try to trick the polygraph. One of the things you can do is you can hold your breath, right, your response. There are various ways. You can look them up on Google. There's various ways that you can sort of trick a polygraph mm-hmm. test and that he felt that Walton was using those tricks. He got caught. Yeah. <laughs> and and but, but to McCarthy, so the results were unequivocal. Quote, based on his reaction on all charts, it is the opinion of this examiner that Walton, in concert with others, is attempting to per- perpetuate a UFO hoax and that he has not been on any spacecraft. <laughs> Walton, not any spacecraft. He went there. <laughs> McCarthy later said that it was the, quote, the plainest case of lying he had had in 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Supposedly, Dwayne Walton, who was in the other room, heard him say this and yelled, I'll kill the son of a bitch. <laughs> wow. Wow. So the Waltons cried foul, though. They said that McCarthy was biased. He had been really confrontational and unprofessional during the examination. They claim McCarthy asked these embarrassing questions to kind of skew the results, to set up the basis for negative, I don't know, to to get him nervous or something, and set up a basis for the results to be negative. And true to their word, the inquirer squelched the story about the test. They never reported it. They, they reported a story about the case, but they never reported anything about the test that he failed miserably, mm-hmm. according to their mm-hmm. own polygraphers. Well, did they report the story like it happened? Yes. Let's, let's, let's. Well, I mean, it is the National Enquirer. They don't care. No, mm-hmm. of course they do. <laughs> so uh, I read this article from this Australian reporter who was on the team that went to Snowflake at a moment's notice and there were seven, they sent seven reporters from literally around the country. He was in the San Francisco Bureau at wow. the time. And he was sent, a guy from LA was sent, some guys from back east were sent. Good Lord. I know. I know. They, again, they have resources to, uh, plenty of resources to throw out any story. Yeah. And he wrote a piece in, uh, I think it was uh, the Melbourne Age when the movie Fire in the Sky came out. Mm. And it was kind of his hey, you know what? Here's what really happened. And he even says, like, everybody thinks this is the greatest abductee tale ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to make any money by saying otherwise, but here's what actually happened. So he said that the Inquirer, you know, they descended on Walden almost immediately, and right away they paid him $1,000 to, quote, help ease his discomfort. Oh, my God. And they, again, paid the UFO researcher from ARPO to come in and investigate. And Brother Dwayne was from the get-go calling the shots. Travis did whatever he said. He actually found Travis to be just like a scary little rabbit. Yeah. And he was really nervous about what goes on. And Dwayne is like going, you can do this, you're going to do that. And he was intimidating. He said that one of the other reporters worried that Dwayne would be hard to control since he was a, quote, psychopath. Oh, my God. And he was an ex-boxer, had a mean streak. But this is a huge story. So the Inquirer stuck with it. And they had to work through Dwayne because Dwayne pretty much controlled Travis. So, again, they spirited Travis and Dwayne to this motel room, mainly for, to deny access to other, as best they could, to other publications, to make them less accessible, right? Coral Lorenzen from ARPO, from APRO, <laughs> Aerial Phenomena Research, APRO, how's that? She kind of brokered this whole deal, this whole setup. They told them, the Inquirer told the Waltons that they'd pay for the story. If the story flew, there'd be big money for them. 
So Dwayne agreed, but he said he agreed to the relationship only because Travis's story was absolutely true and the money had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure, we'll cast the checks, but Mm -hmm. it's not for the money. It's because my little brother was abducted by a UFO. Again, I'm going to give him a Southern accent even though he's in Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. It just comes natural. So the story came out. So the, the Inquirer folks, they brought in a, a, a husband and wife psychiatrist team. They brought in these researchers. And the, they found pretty quickly that the brothers, the Walton brothers, seemed to be warming to the UFO investigators and not so much to the Inquirer reporters. Mm. And this kind of worried them because they mm-hmm. thought that that investigator was just looking for a lecture, lecture, lecture God damn it, lecture? Yeah, circuit deal and, and maybe a nice little paperback book deal down the road. Mm. So they became very suspicious. But again, they wanted the story. Yeah. Then the hugely popular TV show 60 Minutes came a knocking. And I guess they worked out a deal where 60 Minutes would tape the hypnotic regression or at least the interview and run with it as a story and the Inquirer would as well. Wow. I know. Yeah, I know. Travis, though, they, the, this reporter, this uh, Australian reporter who again was on the story, said it was just a wreck, as I mentioned earlier. He really did seem genuinely just overwhelmed. And very often when he talked to him, he was sobbing. Wow. So he seemed like he was not taking it Little well. Little baby. <laughs> so, and then came, but that's when the, the failed lie detector test occurred. And um, Travis was even more of a wreck. And Dwayne was pissed. They saw right away Travis was not doing well. So they'd already brought in this husband and wife psychiatrist team from Colorado. And they said, you know what? After the, after the um, lie detector test was blown and Travis was even worse, they said, go help him. See what you can find out. So they took him. It's just the four of them. Dwayne, Dwayne Travis, and the two psychiatrists went to, into a different room and went the, the, apparently hours and hours of instant therapy. By the way, during which they are um, ordering all kinds of shit from the bar. Oh my god! <laughs> Including cognac. Ooh! <laughs> they had like a two thousand dollar tab or something. Oh my right? god! <gasps> all right, it was they, uh, not all of that was just booze for them, but a lot of it was. Good God! So, and on so the they, National Enquirer. On the National Enquirer's tab, absolutely. Of course. There, uh, it turns out as the psychiatrist would come out and say, "Up, oh, we've cracked it. It's over. Here's what we got the story. Here's what happened. The brothers." had always wanted to be abducted by UFOs. They'd mm-hmm. always wanted to fly on a UFO. It was like a lifelong dream of them. It was their father, in fact, who had instilled this sort of wish dream into them when they were kids. Their father, too, was a, a UFO enthusiast, as apparently was their mother. Huh. By the way, dad had abandoned them when they were kids. <laughs> so, oh. pack oh. of smokes. Yeah. Um, maybe he got his wish and yeah. flew on a you know, UFO. I hadn't, thought about that. hadn't thought about that, but I think you might be right. Yeah. Also came out was Dwayne's ordeal with being chased by a spaceship in the woods. And then they, uh, about uh, tra- 1975, Travis's beam of light incident as the, the reason we're here for. Uh, and they basically said it was all just a wish fulfillment, hallucination. We're done here. We've cracked it. The Waltons are, have just, just told us everything. It was all, they, they understand now that it was all just bullshit and they hallucinated it. Hmm. Which, of course, brings Seriously. up... Yeah, I know. Okay, so everybody else who hallucinated <laughs> it as well. The reporter was just... This uh, Australian reporter was just disgusted with the whole thing. He wrote a 16-page memo that he considered sort of a kill story. It's like, here's why we have to kill this story. Here's everything that happened. And obviously, when my editors read this, they'll kill the story. He, so he, he paid the bill, got his rented car, and drove back to the airport. And 60 Minutes, same thing. 60 Minutes killed the story and took off and left. 
But on the drive to the airport, the reporter turns on the radio, and guess what he hears? Travis Dwayne and that UFO researcher on the radio talking about Travis's amazing experience on board oh the alien craft. So wow. I don't know what happened with the psychiatrist in that room, but they obviously weren't going to let that story mm-hmm. die with, with the yeah. hallucination idea. The reporter's kill memo that he thought, by the way, was reworked by the Inquirer and became the basis for the story that they published Jeez. in December. You're too lazy to write a new one. Yeah. <laughs> he had all the facts there. The facts were all there. So yeah, we can use this. Let's, let's run with it. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right, Carrie. How did six other people hallucinate with him? That's a nonsensical story. But, but that's the story from this Inquirer guy. And he said it was a complete shit show. It was all nonsense. And, hmm. um, you know, it was clearly a hoax to him. Yeah. So let's get back to reality here. After Philip Klass uncovered this hidden failure polygraph test, and he exposed it a while later, but after that occurred, Mike Rogers, the boss, he challenged Klass with an offer. He said, hey, all of us in the crew, or as many as I can round up, we'll take a new set of polygraphs and kind of decide this thing once and for all. If we pass, you, Philip Klass, will pay for those tests. If we fail, EPRO will pay for the test, the UFO research group. It was almost like a bar bet. Yeah. It's very weird, right? Here's the catch, though. Mike Rogers said, I get to pick the examiner. And his choice was a guy in San Diego who used polygraph tests on plants to prove they had feelings. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, he's my hero, but I don't know if <laughs> necessary in the story. Philip Class said, um, I'm going to pass. Yeah. Uh, and so they didn't take those, those tests. Undaunted, though, the Waltons arranged for a polygraph test through APRO. APRO got an examiner in named George Pfeiffer. And George not, Pfeiffer. Not the plant plot. Not the plant polygraph. No. no, he's someone else. Darn it. He did the test. And at first he said, you know what? I think the tests generally show truthfulness. So APRO and the Waltons just trumpeted this to yeah. no end. They said, this is it. Total confirmation. In fact, Walton cited that test and the test by the one question test by Cy Gilson in his book as proof that he was telling the truth. That examiner, George Pfeiffer, however, Mm -hmm. he had only been practicing for, count it, two years. That's it. So he's fairly new and inexperienced in doing polygraph tests. What's more, the firm that did the polygraph test had let the Waltons dictate many of the questions that they're going to ask, which is, you know, something you can can say, we're going to cover X, Y, and Z, but in the industry, you're never allowed to dictate questions. That's considered quite a breach. Also... When George Pfeiffer asked Travis, quote, if before November 5th, 1975, were you a UFO buff? When Travis Walton said no, George Pfeiffer said he was being truthful. We know for an absolute fact that's that's not not true. Mm -hmm. So, so much for George Pfeiffer and his lie detector test. So perhaps maybe embarrassed, Pfeiffer and his firm said, oh, you know what, we're going to re-examine the results of this test that we first said was truthful. And, oh, you know what? It turns out the data actually say it's inconclusive. We can't say he's telling the truth or can't say where he's lying. Some other polygraphers looked at it and said, yeah, it's inconclusive at best. This, to me, that seems like face-saving, doesn't it? It's like, we just said he's telling the truth. We can't flat out say, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, we didn't carry the one. Mm -hmm. He's fully lying. But you could say, oh, we re-examined it and it's inconclusive. Yeah, Yeah. That's, That's my theory. It's kind of a compromise, I think. So when the movie Fire in the Sky, as I've mentioned, I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, was released 18 years later in 1993, 
Really? It was that yeah, late? It was a long time ago. I was surprised by that, too. I thought it was way sooner than It was that. a big, big story. And, and UFOs were a, a big deal after Close Encounters, which yeah. I think was 78-ish 70s, or something yeah. like that. So you'd think it would have been made in 1979 or 80. Yeah. But no, it wasn't made until 1993. It wow. had a hard time being made because to a lot of people, studios apparently found the story just kind of boring. Yeah. Not, mm. not a whole lot happened. So especially uh, yeah. up in the up in the, the ship is not much happens. Well, you know, it's Hollywood. You can make shit up. Hold, hold that thought. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen Fire in the Sky, you know, carries mm-hmm. on to something with that. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So Paramount hired the aforementioned Cy Gilson, who had asked the one question positive early uh, years before. He said, hey, give him another round of polygraphs. Travis, Mike Rogers, and one of the crew members were all tested. And shocker. Cy Gilson, hired by Paramount as publicity for the movie, yeah. said, yep, passed. <laughs> Telling the truth. Shocker. So the situation was at this point was left as kind of like, look, UFO advocates say, hey, Walton has generally passed his polygraphs, and the skeptics can't prove that he's lying, which is an overstatement because he had failed for other polygraphs. Yeah. But let's let that ride. Obviously, the real question is you have to flip that assertion if you want to live in a rational world, and is there any proof that Walton was abducted by little gray creatures in prison jumpsuits, possibly steered their craft through time and space, <laughs> or at least saw a planetarium show, went traipsing around the mothership with a mute, grinning, gold-skinned man, and then met a few others just like him, and then was drugged into unconsciousness for five days before being dropped off at a gas station on Earth to conveniently call his uh, brother-in-law and give him a ride home. Can you prove that happened? Not can you assert that yeah. some polygraphs say you're, you're telling the truth. So you wanted physical evidence. Was there any physical evidence for Travis's story? APRO did find a little red spot on Ooh. Travis's inner elbow, I guess the crease of his elbow, and they said, well, maybe that's a needle. And that's oh, how yeah. they... Oh, God. Which again, as you recall... They put a mask over his head when he knew about it. And the other one was he was knocked unconscious by a, a beam of light. So I'm not sure why you need needles. Well, maybe they were taking a blood sample. Maybe they did. Maybe they took a blood sample. Unfortunately, the little red spot was nowhere near a vein. So oh, they're not well, good at blood at, at yeah. that either. They're huh. not as good as any RN on Earth, but they have mastered interstellar travel. So, and then he did save his urine. Right. As I mentioned before, on first returning. And it was tested. So physical evidence, it, it showed that, um, it showed a lack of ketones. I don't know how to pronounce that right. Yeah. K-E-T-O-N-E-S. Yeah. Yeah. This is relevant since someone who has been starved for five days, you know, unconscious almost the entire five-day span, should have actually an excess of ketones. Mm-hmm. Basically, they, they, they're generated when your system, when the body goes into survival mode, it breaks down fats. And this should generate lots of ketones, and they should be show up in your urine. Okay. So he, instead of having no ketones, he should have lots of ketones. And mm. Walter would later, Walton would later claim that he had lost 10 pounds. So see, look, I had really been starved for five days. But the, the actual real chemical evidence says, no, you were not starved for five days. Mm. And um, it does turn out, though, that there was some research into the flora and fauna in the area where Walton was abducted, allegedly. Here's a quote from that. About 15 years later, it was discovered that the trees nearest to where the UFO hovered had been producing wood fiber at 36 times the rate it had in the 85 years before that. 
More recently, mm. complete core sampling revealed that the thickened growth was only on the side of the trees towards or in the direction of where the craft had been. Wait, who came up with this? It's interesting you asked that. The source for that is Travis Walton. Oh, oh. my gosh. <laughs> no idea if he really did have somebody do that or not or just made it up. But this, yeah. the, when I read the source was literally Travis Walton. Beyond the fact that... Who, so, wood fiber, really? Yeah. Nice. So UFOs cause more uh, excess growth of wood fiber? All right, that's proof. So anyway, uh, and also remember they did the hypnotic regression, and he claimed to have very, very little memory. He couldn't, in other words, they were never able to get him to remember, in quotes, those whole five days. It's just a, maybe a couple hours at most that he was alive, right. steering the ship, and fanning off aliens, and hanging out with gold-skinned people. Well, that's he, it. Yeah, he was Otherwise, he's unconscious. unconscious and, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you know. So, no physical evidence of the scene, despite the, quote, explosive force of the UFO when it took off and fired that blue beam. There was no call to the brother-in-law from the gas station. There was no fingerprints on the phone. There was no sign of anything uncovered at the site by over almost 50 volunteers who searched the site extensively. So, did they get charged with anything? No, they did not. Hmm. As far, and as far as we know, they didn't get 100000 bucks from the Inquirer. They did get some money. Though. And so did the crew members, by the way, were paid some money too by the Inquirer. Wow. There's a picture of them holding their checks. Oh, off God. Not a lot, but they, got, they all got a little. Um, all you have really is a story about weird aliens and a selection of polygraphs, which is the criminal science equivalent of voodoo in my mind. Sorry, my, you, know, you know my anti-polygraph band. Yeah. 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 It's complete nonsense. So Travis would write a book called The Walton Experience that published in 1978. And it, read like, it reads like a novel. He, in fact, at one point, he has, it has dialogue from his fellow crew, crew members when he was knocked out and ah! unconscious. And he's it's this novel-like dialogue that he obviously could not have witnessed. Right. So, again, a lot of people think Jerome Clark wrote it. And they wrote it kind of a, almost a novel, novelization. They wrote it uh, for you know, sensationalism. Uh, and the main reason we know about the Walton case is the 1993 movie, Fire in the Sky. Yeah. It stars uh, D.B. Sweeney looking exactly like Paul Rudd. Check the picture out. It's ridiculous. Uh, he, t- he played Travis, and uh, his brother, Dwayne, was played by Robert Patrick, who was... I'm sorry, Mike Rogers was played by Robert Patrick, who was oh. Terminator Robot, oh, the evil yay. Terminator Robot, remember? And also in, in X-Files. The movie stays pretty close to the story up until Travis finds himself awake inside the alien craft. A lot of it's about, rightfully so, about the relationship, <laughs> him being missing and all that, right? But in the movie version, those little grays... They are transformed into terrifying goblin creatures. And they Damn. drag Walton. Instead of him having the, you know, free roam, he has these creatures dragging Walton through their ship. And in their ship, instead of having like, you know, just sort of minimalist corridors like every alien spaceship has, it was this, like, this nightmare warrant of uh, fleshy, rotting, seemingly tish- tunnels made of, of like, like it's a alive. living thing. Yeah. And, and there, occasionally there's embryonic sacs on the, on the ceiling dripping nasty fluid onto Ew. the ground. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Sounds more interesting. But it's, yeah. Exactly. They, that's scarier than being in like a metal ship. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that wouldn't be scary at yeah, all. Yeah. That's a little bit scary. They, they then sort of uh, fix Walton to a table in this suffocating membrane where, you know, you can see his, he's trying to, his face is behind this really thin membrane. I, I, I think I've seen parts of that movie, and I remember that scene. And then they torture him brutally, including the cliched needle in the eye. Ooh. Oh. Gotta have that. So, nothing like 
his actual yeah. alleged experience yeah. at all. And so, and the UFO knots were really up in arms. They're pissed off. Tracy Treme, the screenwriter, he had actually spent years developing a relationship with Travis to get him to cooperate and do the, and, and had written countless scripts. And he he finally got it green lighted as it was. And then just before they're going to go to pub, to production, one of the is at Paramount Studio had big wigs saw. It was some TV special, and it had little gray aliens like, kind of examining people on a, on a room. He said, ah, that's been done. And besides, it's boring. We're going to pull the plug, and let you have to completely change the end, or we're done here. Terme freaked out, gave them the ending they wanted, even though it was completely fictionalized, and, uh, and then publicly, after it came out, blamed the studio. People said, it wasn't me. They forced me to do these rewrites. I'm really, really sorry. How did they make it end? Uh, it just, he's, he's back and I think he's just, they have a, a, a I have, they have yeah. like a scene with, it's either Mike Rogers or his brother. I can't remember. It's not, I mean, he's back. He's, he's saved. He gets out of the ship. Yeah. Like, I mean, how do you get out of the ship? I don't remember. I think he has to more escape than be let go, but I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Watch it. Uh, it's probably on yeah. Netflix or something like that. That's all right. So despite these rewrites though, and this much more interesting ending, the movie Fire in the Sky, it grossed a little over its budget. It did okay. It, it wasn't it, like a big hit. No, it cost about fifteen million and got a little less than twenty million U.S. Mm. I don't think it have. And remember, with, with marketing, it may actually have lost a little bit of money. Yeah. Although with video and stuff like that, I'm sure it made. I remember when it came out and yeah. having zero interest in seeing. <laughs> really? It also. Don't well, you? It I mean, also got we like forty-two percent Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. Mm. It got mixed reviews at best. So it didn't make him famous, but it, he. Um, Travis Ralton re-released his book and yeah. called The Walton Experience and changed the title to Fire in the Sky. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he made a little more cash. Yeah. So, and more recently, he's um, in 2009, this, I love this story. So they, um, in 2009, there's a show called The Moment of Truth. You ever heard of it? Uh-uh. I think it's on NBC. It's basically where they, they, they try to, you know, have, they, they have somebody face something from their past or something like that, right? Mm. And they uh, had Travis Walton agreed to go on and be questioned about his experience. And so they start off the interview with a few kind of puff questions about him and stuff like that. And then they start, then they spring it on him, right? Were you abducted by aliens on November 5th, 1975? Walton almost shouted, yes. And there's this suspenseful pause. And I guess there's like this, like a, like a female Android voice who, who gives an answer. And presumably the, you know, the backstage, some lie detector tech is frantically checking the reads, the readouts or whatever. But then the female robotic voice says, the answer is false. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Travis is shocked. Uh, UFO enthusiasts were pissed off. They said <laughs> it was rigged, that Travis and, and, you know, it was it was set up. The whole thing is set up to embarrass him and make him yeah. face a lie. That's I love that kind it. Of thing. And, and that may to, be true. I don't know. Yeah, he's trying to stir the pot. Yeah. for it. <laughs> Travis Walton himself would say that polygraph tests are accurate ninety seven percent of the time, oh even in the best cases. Okay. So implying that this is one of the three percent. Yeah. Yeah. So they are they're yeah. accurate when it's yes. convenient, yes. but they're inaccurate. Mm-hmm. So, but that ironically is also a lie because they're yeah. they're terribly inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, and that, that Travis Walton quote passed many polygraphs. Am I, that's all the evidence we need that polygraphs are bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So more recently, back in 2017, uh, not that oh. long ago, a UFO researcher named J.P. Robinson, he interviewed <laughs> Travis Walton. And remember, he's a UFO searcher, but he said he had never believed the Walton story. He knew about it, heard about it, but he thought it was all bullshit. 
But then he claimed that, quote, after having spent quality time in his presence. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And talking, and talking privately about his experience that you're now writing about, asshole. I can only conclude that this man really did meet these beings aboard their ship. And, and but you asked maybe why was he zapped by those which should be friendly aliens, as Dwayne said. Uh, they don't, aliens don't hurt people. It turns out now Walton thinks it was just a tragic, an almost tragic accident. Walton now says he was just in the wrong place at the wall, wrong time. He says he, he thinks he got too close to the ship and that, I don't know, they felt threatened or they needed to take off so this human didn't, didn't touch them. I don't know. Yeah. And it, in, in their taking off, this, this beam or some kind of energy pulse zapped him inadvertently. They didn't mean to hurt him. Mm, yeah. And wait for it. He believes the beam killed him. Travis says, and I died. They brought him back. And they brought him onto the ship. Mm, oh, so the Lord. only reason they brought him on the ship is like, oh shit, we just killed the little deer. It's like, an, again, yeah. just, oh, I like, didn't mean oh, to kill him. No. I, I put four tranks into him. I only meant to do one. <laughs> and so they had to bring him on the ship to bring him back Fix to life him. to resurrect him. Well, that would have been a better movie. Much yeah, better. Would have been like, way better movie. You, you, you have you, you Troll Z. You, <laughs> you cut to a, a close up of the alien going, Oh shit. I think we killed him. And they Guys. have to go get him. And, and then Guys. So, oops. <laughs> Five days later, they let him out by a gas station. Oops, pat him on the head. On your way. You're okay. So eventually Walton would become a foreman of the lumber mill. He'd get married to Mike Rogers' sister, Dana, and they'd have a family. And he still to this day says it's all true. Often he says this at UFO conventions where he is paid to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. So, shot in the dark. What do you think? Because <laughs> it's real. Let's say, let's say oh, let, me, let me say this then. First, let's start with this. Do you think the crew was involved? If you do, okay, well, do you, anybody here think it's true and that it all really happened? No. no. And I'm sorry, I know we have a lot of listeners who want to believe this is true. I would, again, I know you probably think I'm full of shit. There I would could love still be aliens for this to out be true. there. Just yeah. not this, yes. in this particular situation, I don't think there were aliens. Dad and involved. I were saying this last night. The aliens are fucking real. Absolutely. But they they're, don't, don't they're so us. far away, yes. they're not going to come here. They're, it's impossible, probably impossible for them to contact us. But somewhere out there in the universe, in some galaxy somewhere, they chilling. There's life on another planet. And who didn't believe that? My mother. And? And my brother. I literally never said that. You did too. You said it was, you, you and Jack were saying that you don't think that. You know, I don't, I absolutely did not. Let's just say that you did. Let me revise. It's very possible that mom didn't say anything, <laughs> but didn't. Jack was, was against us. Not 100%, but he was you know, trying to be, you know, against us. And yes. and mom and Jack were on one side of the table, and Jack, yes. dad, so and I'm automatically on by proximity. Yes. Midfield uh, and devil's advocate. <laughs> if I recall correctly, what? You guys were saying it's impossible that there's not. Yes. Yes. Life on other planets. Sure numbers, absolutely. And yes. Jack said, well, I don't, he said he didn't well, believe it was impossible. Well, there's always the possibility that yes. we are alone, which is okay. wonderful so, and beautiful That's what he said. About. But, of course, it is possible, but I'm going to go ahead and say, no, it is. More it is that there is life, yeah. It's, it's very, the chances of there being no life on any other planet anywhere are slim as fuck, in my personal opinion. I agree. There's got to be a plant somewhere. Yeah, bro. There got to be a little, like, I a little, go, little peapod out there. Right? I go further and say there's sentient life out yeah, there. But yeah, can they? Is there? Yeah. Will there ever be the ability to for inter interstellar travel, given that the distances are 
unbelievably insane. People, Not people, humans, no. They're, they're insane. No. You know, interstellar is the closest thing they got to it with decades of travel and things like that. To under, And even that, I believe, uh, included wormholes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it's just... Yeah. So will they ever? Will we ever see an alien? Probably not. I hope we do. Very Maybe much we'll so. communicate with aliens, but we'll probably never ever actually yes. see one contact. Unless aliens. they're really mean, then we don't want to see you. Um, if yeah. they're lizard people, they're going to take us over wearing our skin. No, no, thank you. Stay mm-hmm. home. But if you're cool, please, please save us from ourselves. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we move in? Tomorrow. These are the most clingy people we've ever met. <laughs> they all want to come back. <laughs> so uh, critically. Uh, I don't think the crew was involved at all. I agree with you. I don't think yeah. the crew I think they was were involved. Tricked. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think, but they, they all said they saw. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's think saw. about that. All you really need is Travis, Dwayne, and you do need Mike Rogers. I would say though, I yeah, need Mike Rogers to be involved. Uh, um, Mike Rogers again also appears to have been an enthusiast. Remember the beautiful UFOs, and he had his own motive: the Forest right. Service contract to go along with this this hoax. He was driving the truck. He was everybody's boss on that truck. So I don't think, so, so Mike drives the truck. He stops at a prearranged site where Dwayne has just released, I don't know, I admit, I, you know, a vaguely UFO-looking balloon with some lights on it. That's all you really need, right? Remember, it's dusk. It's, that's the worst time to be an eyewitness because the light is so, is, is enough light to see something, but not, not, not enough light to see something well. Who yeah. are all the people there? It was five workers on so the brush five workers crew. including people or five extra uh, five workers? extra and, and travis i'm pretty sure there was five plus travis plus mike okay i, I feel like the chances of nobody coming forward and saying anything yes is very slim and they did apparently pass some yeah. other polygraphs so did they think they saw something weird probably absolutely so you have mike in there you see you know Dwayne puts up the the um at the, at the time, they knew when they were going to knock off at work. Mike is in control of the truck. He's driving it. He knows the route that they're going back. Uh, Dwayne does the whatever it was. Dwayne releases it. And then Travis gets out of the truck, goes up near it, again, in the, in the twilight. And then, you know, how is, he, how is he, what is he doing? Maybe he just, he just yeah. kind of lifts his arm like a scarecrow, and it looks like you're floating. Again, you're not, he's not yeah. high in the air. And you have Mike in the truck saying, oh, my God. He's floating, and what are the? And and then suddenly he just falls back as violently as he can. It's like, oh shit, man, that thing knocked him down back ten feet. Mike says, "What are the? What is the crew going to think they saw?" Mike can control the narrative. We know how psychology works. When you suggest something to, that's been shown time and time again. They're not people in groups are incredibly suggestible for what they just saw. Even when they prove this, uh, uh, Carrie's giving me a very. Uh, 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 I just that skeptical look. Trust yeah. me, people have uh, shown uh, experimentally that something that absolutely did not happen, people described as happening because they there was suggestion involved. Hundred percent could happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. Swear. How, how could they count on five different people? All I think you, you know? underestimate a white man's ability to gaslight, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and you shouldn't. And again, it's dusk. Mike Rogers is controlling the narrative. He's suggesting what they're seeing. That's what you do if you get caught stealing. You say, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. What are you talking about? You You make it. You see that blue-green beam just hit him? And voila, five people in the back of the truck who are scared shitless just saw a blue-green beam hit their friend Travis. Mm. Or someone threw a flashbang. You know, they had their brother in the fucking behind something like that could have happened. That's possible, but I think it's also highly possible that they all... We're in on it. Yeah, we're in on it. I don't too. think they, they would were. have to be given something. They There'd be some. Yes. Have to be something in it for them. And and there was. And they all got something. They got not checked. very much. Not very much. 
for the Enquirer. And could they really count on that? I mean, maybe, maybe, but I think it was like, it wasn't that much at all. And so, I don't know. I, I tend toward thinking that they had nothing to do with it. They were convenient witnesses for... Give me their names and numbers. I want to okay, talk. I will. <laughs> yeah. I will. You really need to give it up right now. Yep. <laughs> Jigga's up. And, and then, of course, here's the key now. It, it, right, he, he falls at the ground. What does Mike do? He guns takes it off. and gets the hell out of there. Yeah. As opposed to what? Going and helping him and then I there's know. no story. Mm-hmm. So he has to, he's a controller truck. He takes off. The, well, the we know. guys in the back yeah. can't stop that. Yeah. And yeah. so the, he's conveniently gone when Dwayne, five minutes later, shows up in the truck, picks him up, and takes him to wherever he went to hide out for the next five days. Yeah. Dwayne's house. Possibly. Possibly sometimes the mom's house. Possibly yeah. just some, some uh, who knows. Motel 6. Motel, very, very possibly. under. I mean, how hard would that be? Under a fake name with cash. So, and then when the police had been called and Travis is safely away, Mike suddenly decides, oh shit, we better have, head back there and go find him. Or, or as he knew, not find him. Why is that? To establish that he's gone and that right away he's abducted. The police are out, everybody's searching for him. It's a big story. And this big story gives, gives Mike his excuse to not fulfill the, soar, the Forest Service contract that he knew he couldn't fulfill. And it gives the Waltons the experience they've been dreaming about their entire life. Mm-hmm. Not to mention a whole, what they thought was going to be possibly $100,000 of the National Enquirer's right. money. God damn. That's, that's my shot in the dark for what uh Oh, sure. Yeah. Mike. That's my I believe theory. that. Yeah. I do too. I concur. I can see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> So the only discrimination is Carrie from our group think here is that Carrie thinks the uh, crew members. I mean, Get on the hive mind, Carrie. <laughs> the Borg Collective. It could have been. Absolutely. She just thinks it's possible. It could have been yeah. some gold skin people mm-hmm. and some little guys in jumpsuits. Yeah, why not? Kidnapped him for five days for, for just Orange. either to save his life or just to fuck with him. That's possible. Yeah. Absolutely. But you're going to need some proof in there's any whatsoever. And their stories follow holes. And they clearly lied about not being UFO. Just the, the totality of the evidence is indicates to me that they're a full of shit. Sorry. I, I wish we had a better outcome for you. I'll find a UFO story that seems more realistic. I swear to God, I will. <laughs> when someone is abducted, yes. please contact us. <laughs> please yeah. contact mm-hmm. us. We'll put you on the podcast. Yeah. I swear to God. And have you examined by a hypnotherapist. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> So that's it. That's all I have for well, you. Well, thanks. Good one, Dad. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I, I vaguely knew the story, literally, from the commercials okay. for the uh, movie. The movie? Okay. Yeah, the yeah. trailers for the movie, but yeah. that was it. And I pretty much knew it was a I kind of want to skim through the movie on Netflix or whatever it is right now. I don't know what's on, but... I want to see yeah. this fleshy prison that yes. they described. Yeah. Yes. I, I do have a memory of that. I don't think... I Just probably on TV over the years, and I and that was actually... A pretty, it was good. It was, I think it was Industrial Light and Magic did the special effects for it. It was well done. It was a good movie. I mean, a $50 million budget in 1993 mm-hmm. is not nothing. Yeah. And it was, you know, D.B. Sweeney was actually a pretty big name at the time, I think. Uh, you know, semi movie star. B list, maybe. I'd say A minus. Nah. B plus. That's B. Okay. <laughs> he, um, but it didn't, you know. It, it wasn't yeah. a great movie, and the, the ending obviously was bullshit. But then again, so was the story. Yeah. <laughs> so why yeah. not? In the middle, in the... <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Well, tell them where they thank can find you us. on uh, iTunes, where you can rate and review us and subscribe to us. But you probably already do. And uh, <laughs> Weird World Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and oh, Weird World Podcast at gmail.com If you want to send me an email. With your own UFO 
abduction story. Yes, please. Ooh, please yeah, do, please. actually. And uh, Weird World Pod on Twitter. Yep. And pictures of your sourdough starter. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Carrie might give you some tips if you email her about And cooking. you can call us at... I'm just kidding. 1-800. <laughs> 555-1212. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. See you next time. Bye.